Well, that couldn't have gone any worse for the New Orleans Saints, and it couldn't have gone any better for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's time for a live postcast episode of Locked on Bucks and Locked on Saints. We're not going to roll a, uh, an intro here because we're, we're kind of sending this to both sides, and I'm going to be honest, the Saints don't deserve me to play my music. You know, I, I mean, if I, were on, if I were in your shoes, I would agree. <laughs> and, and, and like Tom Brady said, just how they drew it up. This, just how they drew it this up. This was the game plan. I think that's what we're supposed to believe is, you know what? Early lead, let them have it. Last last five minutes, guys. Yeah. We'll, we'll come back and get it. Oh, yeah. I buy that. I'm Ross Jackson, host of the Locked On Saints podcast. This is David Harrison, host of Locked On Bucks. Uh, here to kind of recap, break down, react to this 17-16 uh, to 16 Win for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, loss for the New Orleans Saints, absolutely abysmal loss for the New Orleans Saints because it wasn't just a loss, David, it was a blown lead, 13-point lead for the New Orleans Saints by the time the Tampa Bay Buccaneers took the, took the final two possessions over, starting at 5 minutes and 21 seconds. What did Tom Brady do right uh, in those last two drives? I mean, Tom Brady did what Tom Brady does, right? He read the defense, yeah. he said, okay, the Saints are going to double this guy, you're in double Mike. So I'll go to, I don't know, Julio. You're going to double Julio, so I'll go to Chris. You're going to double Chris, I'll go to Scotty, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know that the storyline here is really what did Tom do right. Even though obviously Tom's going to get all mm-hmm. the credit. If you go to Lockdown Bucks, Tom Brady is the thumbnail and, and sure. all these things. What really it boils down to is what did Todd Bowles finally stop doing wrong? Mm-hmm. And that is he stopped stopping Tom Brady. Yeah. We've been having this conversation a lot about that on the crossover. A lot. We talked about it on the crossover, yeah. exactly. And that is what we finally saw at the end of this game. And then what you see is just a, a nice, heavy passing attack and Tom Brady kind of picking his spots and, and choosing where he's going to throw the ball. And his playmakers coming up and making plays for him, including rookie Rashad White, who actually fumbled yeah. earlier and helped yeah. the New Orleans Saints take the lead that they had going into the final stretch of the game. Yeah, I'm going to see, you know, I, I have a theater background. So I'm going to yes. yes and your idea around like, Todd, what did Todd Bowles stop doing wrong? And I want to talk about what it is that Dennis Allen continues to do mm-hmm. wrong. And I think for me, like, this is the biggest indictment on Dennis Allen as a head coach so far that we have seen throughout what has been a very, very tough season. Listen, I, I've, been, I've been speaking to you, if you're, if you're watching over the, the Locked on Saints side, I've been talking to you over and over again about how the New Orleans Saints season isn't quite over, like expect this team to continue to compete and all that. None of that was fictitious. None of that wasn't true. Uh, but you all also know that I was very much not confident about this team. Uh, toward the latter half of the season and where we've been. I picked the Saints to lose this game by one point, by the way. Uh, not and, and it was very much like that, that they would have a lead and that Tom Brady would bring them back and then have sort of that game-winning touchdown. Yep, absolutely. And the reason why this is such a big indictment on Dennis Allen and, and for you as a New Orleans Saints fan when you're looking at Dennis Allen is that this is supposed to be a defensive team. Yeah. Defense is supposed to be the bread and butter. Yeah. And what lost this game? The defense. Now, the offense, of course, once again, struggled to put points on the board, but that's not new. For this New Orleans Saints team, that's not new for an Andy Dalton-led offense, right? So for me, like that was kind of the biggest takeaway when it comes to what that blown lead meant for the New Orleans Saints and me yeah. moving forward. And then that's kind of what's the confusing part is. So we, I mean, we we talked about this before, and then of course we've had some side conversations, right, not on the air. That you know, I'll, I'll share kind of my view of it. And I mentioned to you, I mentioned to uh, a Bucks fan who is more of a Jameis Winston fan than he is sure. a Bucks fan who was yeah. rooting for the Saints tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, even though Jameis was not going to play, and said, "You know what? Honestly, this is the perfect Jameis Winston game." Yeah, honestly, and, and it's the perfect game because the Buccaneers secondary was wounded. They're missing three key defensive players. One of the defensive starters, Stacey Logan Ryan, veteran, talented guy, 
but it's his first game back off of IR. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's going to be a, there's expected to be a little bit of rust there. Yeah. Keanu Neal, I mean, same thing. I've been seeing him with Falcons for oh, years. Yeah. You know what his coverage skill is? It's mm-hmm. nothing. So this just kind of felt like a game where James would come to come in here, and if Andy Dalton did enough Andy Dalton things, which honestly he had a they were relatively good game, not bad, honestly. Um, even though he's going to carry now a 13 game primetime losing streak out of this, and everybody's going to make fun of him for that. But this just kind of felt like a game where a James Winston approach could possibly help the Saints do some things. And when you come down to it, I mean, three seconds left when your child White sticks that ball in the end zone, uh, and then you get the Ryan suck up uh, extra point. If the Saints get a first down in one of those final two drives, possessions that they end up having, right. the game's probably over. And that's where you look at and you kind of point and you say, okay, that's the turning point for yeah. the game. Mark Ingram runs out of bounds one yard short of a first down. Granted, he hurt his knee right. and that's or, or had a leg injury of some sort, and that's what prompted him to run out of bounds and not take the hit. But even outside of that, you have that the following play, they throw a slant on third and one as opposed to going to the guy that they just refused to go to on third and ones. I did the research and I broke it all down into the use of the third and ones since the Las Vegas Raiders game. And so third and in, in, in kind of zero to three, Taysom Hill's carried the ball once so far in the past four weeks. That's one of the reasons why they have been so just, I mean, just bad when it comes to, to third downs. They haven't converted more than four third downs in a game since that Raiders game, today being the exception. So I think that when you look at where the Saints went wrong in this one, it was a lot of play calling. Yeah. It was a lot of decision making. Andy Dalton taking a second down sack when you only have a practice squad wide receiver, Kirk Merrick, who I think is incredibly talented, mm-hmm. but this was his first game in. He was the only wide receiver that ran around. They were trying to do something tricky and get Taysom Hill on a seven, and it just didn't work because Tampa Bay's defense is good. Yeah. And so, like, like if you're a New Orleans sports fan. What you're used to seeing right now is the Pelicans winning. And you know why the Pelicans win? Because their biggest playmakers have the ball in their hands when the game matters most. Yeah. The New Orleans Saints, they've been taking their biggest playmakers off the field. And I can't figure out why. And what I like about the Buccaneers tonight is we saw the return of some younger playmakers. Now, Rashad White has obviously been carving out his role with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers mm-hmm. and has been doing so for a few weeks now. But Tate Otten is a guy, and you know, locked on Bucks listeners and viewers, you're going to you're going to know James Jarko loves him. Some, yeah. some K-Dot tweeted when Cameron Bray was officially uh, identified as inactive. He tweeted uh, K-Dot and C-Dot or something yeah, yeah. Uh, on Twitter. So, you know, he loved that that touchdown. You, you'll hear all about that from James Jarko, <laughs> so I'm sure. Um, but there's there's also there's there's a valid reason for that as well because you go back to the comeback against the Rams and Rashad White, K-Dot, and Scotty Miller even had very critical yeah. roles in that comeback. And you go to Seattle, well, you go to Germany, the game against Seattle, and again, the younger Bucks, the kind of lesser known Buccaneers are getting involved. They go to Cleveland, and it's almost like this coach staff said, okay, we're just going to completely forget about those guys, other than Rashad White, who's obviously starting in place of Leonard Ford having missed the game. But other than Rashad, it's like, okay, we're just going to completely go away from that. And I was, I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit concerned today. So we saw Rashad White get involved early. Yeah. Uh, first four carries were his, first five total targets. He had a target that wasn't a catch. Uh, were his, and then Lenny came in, finished off the first drive, and then Lenny came in for the second drive. I was like, okay, let's see, like, is this coaching staff now going to ride Fournette? Right. And now Rashad White ends up on the sideline, and then Rashad had the fumble. Yep. And this coaching staff, I mean, granted, BA is not the head coach anymore, but this coaching staff as a group is notorious for putting the guy down when he fumbles and putting him yeah. on the bench, saying, okay, cool your heels. But they bring him back in. You see Kadon get the late touchdown. Rashad White gets the go-ahead, uh, well, leads to the go-ahead yeah. uh, score there. So I love seeing the fact that this coaching staff has kind of returned to using those younger guys. And hopefully, even when Cam is healthy, even as Leonard Fournette gets healthier, and even though Julio's on the field now, we see more Scotty. We see 
we're shocked because he was working well. We see KDOT continue to get involved in the offense. Yeah, um, coaching staff is obviously a, a huge topic of conversation for both of these franchises. That's division. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, really across the entire division. Uh, but we're going to discuss coaching staffs here because the public view of Todd Bowles, the public view of, of Dennis Allen, where does that end up going you know, next? And we're, we'll kind of look across the division uh, at one another. Before we get to that, uh, I want to tell you today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn. If you're looking for a place to look for a job, LinkedIn is always the place that you go. It's where I used to go up until I got a nice cushy job thanks to David Locke. And uh, if you're looking to hire, you, you know you can go to LinkedIn as well because LinkedIn Jobs allows you to post your job for free. They also offer you things like screening questions, stuff like that, to make sure that you're getting those quality candidates that you're looking for and that you're getting to talk to them even faster. Uh, making sure that you're doing things like you can put the little like uh, uh, hashtag hiring frame on your photo to make sure that folks know that you are indeed hiring and have some openings. So go ahead and check them out. This is the, 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 the business that small businesses rank number one when it comes to returning uh, quality candidates versus all of those leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs is going to help you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And today's episode is also brought to you by our friends over at Audible. Oh, we love us some Audible because right now Audible, did you know, has a, a brand new whole slate of new football podcasts that you're going to love. And that's why I want you to go and check out a sneak peek of Block Forever, which is actually available on the Locked On NFL podcast right now over on the Odyssey side. Block Forever is a brand new podcast that is hosted and presented by former NFL All-Pro Ryan Khalil, as well as Audible. He sits down with uh, star players, coaches, executives, pros all across the league uh, to talk about kind of real conversations in terms of what happens in terms of player psyche, managing your relationship with tough players, you know, tough personalities, things like that. Even kind of sports betting, fantasy football. Christian McCaffrey tells you all about how much he hates it. All that good stuff. So lots of really great stuff because nothing is out of bounds when it comes to the Block Forever podcast. Head over to Locked on NFL to get your sneak peek of Block Forever or catch the full series available anywhere that you get your podcast. Available everywhere. Now, Audible, get in the game. All right, David. So as we continue to look at this, Ross Jackson here locked on Saints, David Harrison locked on Bucks. Let's wrap this up, the coaching steps. Obviously, they're going to yeah. be the big time conversation as you observed throughout the entire division. How does this win for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers help Todd Bowles? Or is there still some shakiness there with like the decision upon on fourth and seven for yeah, so let's let's go, and it's literally right out here, guys. Right. The forty yard line is right, right out here, fourth and seven. Uh, I mean, you have more time on the clock than 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 you had when you won the game, so uh-huh. that's that's kind of going to bleed into this conversation here. But Todd Bowles decides fourth and seven. You're at the New Orleans forty. You're down mm-hmm. two scores, and he decides to punt. And the Bucks fans, in Raven James, say, yeah. I mean, Ooh. the Bucks side was was shocked. You guys were shocked. Yeah. Fans were shocked. I mean, Tom Brady was probably shocked. Everybody was shocked. Except for Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles is the only guy in the stadium not shocked. Yeah. I'll tell you, I was standing, actually, shout out to Jason. I was standing with Jason by the pirate ship when they yeah. made the call. And the amount of expletives that rained out from all mm. of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans was impeccable. I believe it. And then you come down later, and, you, and now you're in your own end. And you end up with fourth, and I can't remember the exact yards on but fourth and long, right? Fourth mm-hmm. and long. And everybody, I think everybody in the building is kind of thinking the same thing. Like, you don't want to go for it here, which kind of happens because mm-hmm. you're under eight minutes. You're down 13, right? Let me talk right. to you, leading to the five-minute deal. Yep. 
and instead he punts. But the, the thing that I didn't like about it the most is, you know, if you're going to punt, punt, fine. If that's who you're going to be, and you're going to say, well, defense will give us the ball back, we have a chance to win this thing, fine. But be who you're going to be. Right. What I didn't like was the hesitation. There was yeah. a time, there was a gap there between the decision, and to me the show is hesitation. And we're in week 13. Mm-hmm. Todd Bowles, this is his second stint as an NFL head coach. Right. You've been in these situations. You know your team. You should know who you want to be as a coach. You should know your approach to these games and these moments. And it felt like to me that Todd was kind of like, well, I want to do this, but I want to do this, but I want to do this. Blah, blah. And just, okay, you know what? We're going to do this one. And that's not really a <laughs> solid way to make yeah. a decision. Right. Now it works out. And here's here's the bad news, right? So the good news, Bucks fans, is the Buccaneers won. The bad news is Buccaneers won, and Todd Bowles now is justified mm-hmm. in the way that he sure. approached this sure. game. And he was asked in the post-game press conference about the fourth down situation, mm-hmm. and he immediately steered towards the one in his own end and said, well, if we go for it on fourth and we don't get it, which is very likely, they score a field goal, we lose. And he didn't go on and continue saying it. So basically, but basically what he wanted to continue saying was, so I was right, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and my concern is now you got San Francisco next week. Yeah. Another tough defense. I mean, Brock I, Purdy season. Brock Purdy, legendary quarterback. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but you have a coach who, who is now vindicated yeah. in this soft, sheltered approach mm. to, to trying to win a game. And I just feel like it's going to bite the Buccaneers in the butt at the worst possible time. Yeah. Against San Francisco would be the worst possible time. But. At the worst possible time, I think this is going to continue to be a trend, and that is what's going to frustrate Bucks fans and everybody else watching. Yeah. Before I get on my soapbox about Dennis Allen and the New Orleans State yeah. coaching staff, just from an exterior perspective, what do you see? So the question I asked you today before the game started mm-hmm. is: Dennis Allen's job in jeopardy from a, a New Orleans media standpoint, and even the Saints fandom standpoint? Because obviously, you're a lot more plugged in uh, to them than I am. But, and, and your answer is not really, the general consensus that he will be back next year. And I think it's interesting because on the outside, we all kind of look at it. I can't speak for everybody, but I'm going to say generally speaking, we all, and, and for what it's worth, right, cover the bus, cover the commanders. We've got a yeah. little bit of multiple beats going on here. That these are some really bad coaching decisions. Oh, yeah. And, and namely, it's a quarterback. And the coach, the head coach quarterback relationship, as everybody knows, is the most important one in football. Yep. And you've got a talented quarterback, James Winston. I understand that talent comes with a warning label. I got it. But Andy Dalton's talent comes with a warning label of don't take while driving because you might fall asleep. <laughs> right? He's the drowsy medication. <laughs> I love that. That's, that's kind of the way I, love that. that's kind of the way I look at this. Meanwhile, Jameis is just kind of like, don't take yeah. this too late because you don't have a good time. Right. Like, that's really what I feel like is... is you know who else is that way? Who? Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke. Of the winning record NFC East. Washington Commanders, eighth place in the playoffs. And you know who else okay. puts me to sleep? Carson Wentz. <laughs> they made the right decision in Washington. Uh, and so, like, sorry, continue. No, but, that, but that's kind of the point. Is like, I'm going to get my jokes off. Who is, who's better for a team? Is it the guy that has the most talent, or is the quarterback that inspires the team better? Is it the general who knows all the knowledge of the regulations the best, or is it the general that makes the soldiers want to go out and fight. Yeah. I would argue that if you have to pick between the two, if those are your clear delineations, mm-hmm. I would argue that the one who inspires the troops, that's the one you want. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. We were told that the reason that the Saints decided to go forward with Andy Dalton is because they were moving the ball and they were putting points on the board. We have not seen that consistently since that statement was made. And that statement, by the way, was also made after a three-interception game at the end of the second half against the Arizona Cardinals. 
So when I look at where this New Orleans coaching staff is, I tend to also believe that Dennis Allen will have a second year next year, but it is not, that's not me saying that I want it to be that way or that I think that it should be that way. It's not about my feelings, right? My feelings don't really matter. I just know this organization. I know that they love their continuity. I love that they love their, their loyalty. I will tell you that some key people were very upset with this loss. Yeah. That is the most that I can say about that. But some key people were very, very upset about this. So maybe things kind of sway and change based upon this loss, considering yeah. that the identity of this team was supposed to be what Dennis Allen is best at as a you know fantastic defensive coordinator, all of that right. stuff. So when I look at the New Orleans Saints coaching staff, I think one way or another, some kind of overhaul happens this offseason. Yeah. And this is inter- I hope that this is interesting to you as Bucks fans too, those of you that are seeing this over sure. the Bucks side, because that changes what this NFC South can be. I mean, if the that means that it effectively enters a little bit of a rebuild mode for the New Orleans Saints. Now they're still going to have a lot of the same players because mm-hmm. contracts, restructures, things like that. But I think you're going to see a bit of an overhaul in the coaching staff, even if it's not at the head coach. Right. I think you can't say that Pete Carmichael gets a second year next mm-hmm. year. That's one. That's an argument that I cannot make. And then once Sean Payton ends up coming back into the league, he takes Ryan Nielsen very likely with him. So there's going to be changes at at least the coordinator spot. But I'm at a point now where I would I would very confidently say that if the Saints did surprise me and say, okay, we're going a different direction, maybe they just decide that it's a philosophical change. They want to go to an offensive head mm-hmm. coach as opposed to a defensive head coach. I would be pleased to yeah. hear that because at this point, or not pleased, let me not say it that way, but like I wouldn't be surprised, yeah. right? Like it would be a decision that makes a ton of sense because I don't think you can look at this game, the, the game, the, the, the play calls, decision-making, the defensive side of this that's supposed to be the strongest side of it and make a positive argument in favor of Dennis Allen. I do believe this is the biggest indictment on him so far yeah. in his first year. Absolutely. And, you know, I was, I was listening to the pregame on my way to the stadium because I flew into Tampa and drove straight to the stadium. So mm-hmm. I had it playing on my phone just for safety purposes of listening, not watching. Yep. The pregame, and RG3 and Steve Young were actually having this very conversation. And I want to say it was Steve Young who brought up the fact of, of, so this isn't a new idea, right? But, you know, which quarterback kind of gives you the best spark of energy? Uh-huh. And yeah. they mentioned that defensive coaches most often kind of don't have their finger on the pulse of what it really means to be a quarterback in a locker room and on a roster. Mm-hmm. And you talk about Dennis Allen, look at Washington, the green Carson Wentz, who's the better quarterback for Washington? Not who's the most talented, but who's the better one? Ron Rivera's a defensive head coach as well. Yeah. Tom Brady, we're talking about him being bottled up. Bill Bowles is a defensive head coach mm-hmm. as well. And I'm not saying defensive coaches should stop getting a head coaching job. No, no. But I just think maybe... I don't know, maybe the defensive coaches out there need to have like a seminar in the offseason and talk to some of these Steve Youngs, maybe the Troy Aikman and, yeah. and some of these legendary quarterbacks and kind of educate them on what it really means to be a quarterback because it's not just about arm angles and arm and, and, and how deep you can throw the ball and whether you, you plant your feet in the right yeah. distance underneath you when you go to throw. There's more into being a quarterback than all those things. And those are the things that these defensive coaches honestly seem to be missing. Yeah, I really enjoyed Jason, who I was having a conversation with earlier. Um, mentioned that, like, if you're a defensive head coach, you can almost pick the quarterback based upon which one you wouldn't want to play against, which one you wouldn't want to game plan against. And I have a hard time believing that any defensive coordinator out there would rather game plan for Jameis Winston than game plan for himself. I think in 10 times out of 10, you'd rather game plan for himself. Absolutely. And so to me, that's an easy barometer. I, I love that point by Jason. So for all the, yeah, I mean, and that's, uh, by the way, I'm loving this mixed locked on bus. I know, this is chat. This is <laughs> um, and, um, 100%, because 
for again for everything that Jameis can be negatively, and Bucks fans are very very familiar with that. There's a lot that he can also be that's dangerous to you and and go against you as as an opponent. So you know um, that's yeah. So I think that's a very valid point too. Is, yeah, which quarterback would you rather face? And Bucks would rather face Andy Dalton than they did, and uh, they beat. And that's how it worked out. Y'all, we appreciate you so much for taking the time to join us for this live postcast episode of Locked on Bucks, Locked on Saints. Thank you very much to the over 200 people that were here in the chat at a 1 a.m. Eastern Time show. So thank you so much for coming through. Uh, and for those of you that are catching later, you know we love you as well. Uh, for David Harrison, I'm Ross Jackson. I'll say it for both of us. If you see us, say hi. Absolutely. The pirate on the ship. That's right. We were on the ship said earlier for the game. Said, our locked on bucks. So yeah. like, that's, that's, that's good stuff. Yeah, I don't care if I'm eating. I don't care where I am. Say hi. It's totally fine. Uh, shout out to, to Jason. Shout out to Yancey for saying hi today. Everything's such a pleasure to see all of you. Uh, and it's going to be a pleasure to be back with you again. Chris is not Andy's arm. Chris is not Andy's arm. Not Andy's at all. Cool. Y'all, we really appreciate you. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us here. Make sure you keep it locked on Locked on Bucks. Locked on Saints every Monday through Friday. Part of Locked on Podcast Network. Your team. Every day.